I'm Alex Stille, and this is Vision Vibes. This story was originally broadcast on television as part of NHK World Japan's interview series, Direct Talk. It can be hard to really grasp when the world around us is changing, especially when it comes to macro trends like climate change. We're able to see daily weather patterns, but important statistics and long term measurements can feel abstract and unreal. I grew up in Switzerland. Which is famous for its mountains. As a child, I remember my family took me hiking near the Alec Glacier. What I saw was a magnificent river of unmoving ice lodged between the mountainous ridges. But what impressed me even more than the glacier is that several meters above the ice, the surrounding rock suddenly changed color. My parents explained to me that what I was looking at was the mark showing where the glacier used to be just a few decades ago. It had been melting due to global warming and at an alarming speed. That was my first time witnessing a direct, major consequence of climate change. Glaciers have a lot to tell us about where our world is headed. Nobody understands this better than today's guest, one of the world's leading glaciologists, Gemma Wadham. What are glaciers? What can we learn from them? And why should we be worried that they're disappearing? Let's join narrator Joanna Bartholomew. And find out on today's episode of Vision Vibes. Professor Gemma Wadham is one of the world's leading glaciologists. She has devoted her career to the glaciers that cover one tenth of the Earth's land surface. She is best known as a pioneer in the area of research that has revealed that glaciers host living organisms. This knowledge is an important factor in understanding climate change. We now know that glaciers are some of the most sensitive and dynamic parts of our planet. Gemma has led more than 25 expeditions to glaciers around the world, including to Greenland, Antarctica, the Peruvian Andes, and the Himalayas. She has witnessed firsthand in just her lifetime how glaciers are retreating. Director met Gemma at the School of Geographical Sciences at Bristol University to discover how our understanding of glaciers is being revolutionized and why glaciers matter. For me, glaciers are just incredibly fascinating. When you see one, it, you know, this, this incredibly dynamic tongue of moving ice that's melting, it's roaring river that's, you know, spewing out of its, its front, the landscapes around them. It's just these places which are just wondrous to me. I mean, I, I feel it should be the eighth wonder of the natural world. They are lifelines to us because they contain 70% nearly of the Earth's fresh water. And that's the only water we can drink. And they're also alive. So a glacier is as alive as a soil, handful of soil in your back garden or a part of the ocean because they host billions of tiny single celled microorganisms. So I suppose how I describe myself is someone who works like a as a forensic scientist in glaciers. I'm going to the glacier. And I'm sampling its meltwater, so the water coming off the glacier, and I'm putting that meltwater into a little bottle. 
And that meltwater, it has a chemical memory. It remembers where it's been. So it can tell me what life is living beneath the glacier. It can tell me what chemical processes are happening and how they relate to the rock. It can tell me what pollutants there might be in the glacier and coming out. So I then take that little bottle, I bring it back to the lab. That's when I become the forensic scientist. That's when I'm looking for the chemical fingerprints of life, of pollution, of things that we know are happening in the glacier but we can't see. As little as 25 years ago, scientists believed that glaciers were devoid of life. But over the last decades, the most important change to our understanding is that they are teeming with microbial cells. Over the last 10 years, Gemma's research into extreme glacier life has won awards. She's written over 100 scientific papers, and just recently, she returned from a field trip in Norway. So I've just come back from an expedition to Norway, actually, where I travelled overland from the bottom of Norway all the way up into the Arctic of Norway. Uh, Norway is an incredible place because it hosts thousands of glaciers of all shapes and sizes across an amazing gradient of climate, sitting on every rock type under the sun. And why I'm interested in Norway is because it actually provides me with a natural laboratory for understanding how glaciers, rock and life interact in different glaciers with different results. So it's back to my chemical forensics, but how do the glaciers affect the ecosystems downstream from them? How do they release nutrients? When do they release nutrients or metals and why? And by using all these different bedrocks beneath glaciers and all their different climate settings, it gives me a model to understand how that works all the way around the world. The absolutely astonishing thing that's changed about how we understand glaciers now compared to, say, 20 years ago even, is that in the early 90s, we thought these environments were sterile wastelands. We thought they were inhospitable for life. We thought that nothing could live there, which meant we could ignore them when we're thinking about Earth cycles of carbon and nutrients and biodiversity. But what we discovered is that that's not true. They're actually hosts for life. They host millions, billions of single-celled microorganisms that live sometimes in the dark, in the cold, places where it's really difficult beneath the glacier, in the guts of the glacier. Even on the glacier surface, you've got the glacier algae, who just like the surface of a sunlit ocean, live on the surface of the melting ice and they're using sunlight to fix carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So it was a really astonishing discovery to go from thinking something sterile and dead to being a really vibrant and very diverse ecosystem. The discovery of life in glaciers meant everything um, for us in many ways. They, They are now an integral part of how the glacier behaves. They affect how the glacier behaves. So just one example, these glacier algae that inhabit the sunlit surface of of, of the glacier or the ice sheet, they contain pigments. Their cells contain pigments actually to protect them from UV radiation. Those pigments are dark. So more meltwater on the surface might lead to more of the glacier algae, which means a darker surface and actually a darker ice surface will melt more than a reflective bright surface. But at the bottom of the glacier, you've got no light. It's dark. It's cold very difficult things to live there. Microbes there are living off chemical energy in the rock. They're actually dissolving the rock. They're releasing the nutrients into the meltwaters, which are then washed out into the oceans and might support food webs. This discovery that glaciers are home to billions of organisms is of huge consequence for climate change. Scientists now know that methane gas is being produced deep beneath ice sheets. 
Methane has accounted for roughly 30% of global warming since pre-industrial times and is increasing faster than at any other time since record-keeping began in the 1980s. Methane gas is an important greenhouse gas and it's important because it's a much more potent than carbon dioxide, so 80 times more potent over 20 years. Now, methane is produced in lots of different places around the world. What we didn't realise that it was being produced up the dark depths of ice sheet beds where you haven't got any oxygen but you've got some carbon and you've got some microbes which are, are using that and cycling it to methane gas. We actually don't know how much methane gas is coming out from ice sheets. Uh, that's not accounted for in any global methane budgets at all or what will happen to them in the future. If you go to the Antarctic ice sheet which is bigger than something the size of Canada, um, there's potentially quite a lot of methane stored down there in sediments and it stays in its, its hydrate form. It's a frozen solid form of methane which stays there as long as the ice sheet is thick and cold. But if you thin the ice sheet, it can be released as methane gas. Methane is particularly important with respect to COP26 given the current commitments that have been made by more than 100 countries to drastically reduce methane emissions over the next decade. High up in the Alps, the Andes and the Himalayas, Gemma has witnessed the changes at first hand. In 2019, record melt rates were reported on the Greenland ice sheet. Himalayan glaciers were found to be thinning at much higher rates than scientists thought. We now see glaciers all around the world retreating. My career span of maybe 25 years means that I've actually seen those changes firsthand. So one example is the Oak Glacier Darola in Switzerland. I studied those when I was 20 and they were these colossal dynamic tongues of ice. And uh, I went back there in 2018 actually for some filming and I was absolutely staggered by the changes I saw. So the, the upper a, a glacier had retreated about a kilometre since the early 90s. The lower glacier used to be fed by an incredible ice fall. So this is a, a glacier flowing steeply down over, over very steep rock. And that ice fall was truncated through its middle. It was no longer feeding the lower roller glacier, which will now stagnate gradually and retreat away over the coming decades. So it's a really staggering changes to see with my own eyes. It is also due to new technologies that our understanding of glaciers has changed dramatically over the last 20 years. Satellites orbiting the planet can now track the size of almost every glacier in the world. This has helped us understand how Earth's 200,000 glaciers are being affected by climate change. New technologies have really revolutionised how we study glaciers, but also how we think about glaciers. So 100 years ago, the only way we really could understand the size of a glacier and how it was changing was to walk out into the field in a very challenging environment and make measurements of how big the glacier was. But what's incredible now is we've got satellites in space that, that are our eyes on these ice sheets and glaciers, and they can see almost every single glacier all the way around the world. That's nearly 200,000 glaciers, and measure exactly how they're changing. And that's great, because we can now see which things are happening in different places, how, how fast they're changing, and how does that differ in different places. But it's not just about satellites. So one thing I started doing is working with technologists who can have developed sensors that you can pop in a meltwater stream, and they will collect measurements maybe every minute. So it's really revolutionising how we work, but also what we know. 
One of the consequences of glaciers melting is the effect upon mountain regions and the villages where around 700 million people live. In the Himalayas, the Andes and other developing regions, they have only limited capacities to adapt to changed water supply. Entire coastal ecosystems, including fisheries, may collapse if ice sheets retreat. So about 10% of the global population actually lives in mountain environments which are in close contact with the cryosphere. So that means ice and, and seasonally melting snow. That has tremendous implications for people because glaciers are lifelines to us in many ways. They are these incredible freshwater stores. There aren't many ways you can store water on a steep mountain slope, but glaciers do that. And they release that water that they stored through lots and lots of snowfall over many years in meltwater to rivers. As the glaciers retreat, you're going to have less meltwater going into those rivers. And, and then what was meltwater will then be replaced by much more unpredictable rainfall that you just can't necessarily plan for. So you're going to be looking at water shortages through quite a lot of the high mountain areas of the world. Current predictions around what will happen to our glaciers this century really depend on what we do with our global greenhouse gas emissions. So, you know, a sort of business as usual situation where we carry on pretty much as we have been could result in most of the glaciers being lost from places like the European Alps or high mountain parts of the Andes or, or parts of Asia. If we dramatically cut our net emissions, that could mean we preserve most of our glaciers. A great example is the Himalayas, actually, where if we keep to about one and a half degrees of warming, we may lose a third of those glaciers. If we carry on as things have been, we probably lose two thirds. Three years ago, prompted by an illness that took her to the brink of death and back, Gemma decided to embrace new challenges. In 2018, she underwent emergency brain surgery to remove a life-threatening brain cyst. In the 18 months of recovery afterwards, she was unable to engage fully with academic research. So she decided to embrace her creativity and write a book about her passion for glaciers. It has since become a science bestseller. So Ice Rivers is the first book I've ever written for a wide audience. In fact, it's the only time <laughs> until now that I've written anything creative. I've written more than 100 scientific articles, but I've never written anything which is creative. And the reason that came about, actually, was through a challenging time in my own life when I unfortunately ended up having emergency brain surgery at the end of 2018. And I think you know, the first thing you worry about in life is your survival. So I'm like, oh, I've survived, great. And then after that, you're, you're thinking about meaning and what does your life mean and how, you know, what have you been doing all this time? And I think what really came up from the surface or from the depths of me in that period was just this real passion for, for glaciers and what that had meant to me for 25 years. And I'd been lucky enough to go all around the world and experience all these changes and these wonderful things I'd learned about glaciers firsthand, but, but no one else had really ever heard about them. And I thought, well, what if I can write that down for, for people who haven't seen a glacier and take them there? What if I can bring them to the glaciers and be their eyes and their ears and, and, and let them experience them for themselves? Because I think connection to these environments is really important when we're trying to make changes in our lives that affect them. So I sat down and started to write Ice Rivers, and then once I started, I, I couldn't stop. Gemma has made a full recovery. 
Since her illness, she's decided to use more of her creativity to make glaciers more understandable for a general audience. So she's working now on a play and a second book. And she remains determined to communicate to the world the importance of ice to crucial ecosystems and human livelihood. As all our lives are entwined with these coldest places on the planet. I think the thing that I want people to take away from anything I've done is a sense of fascination with something that is really otherworldly but so important to us. So I want people to become fascinated by glaciers or to instill something in them that inspires them in some way and and also creates a connection. I mean, I've been to all of these glaciers around the world. Most people haven't been to a glacier. So if I can create that connection for somebody else, then that would make me happy. Glaciers are our lifelines. In the comfort of modern life, it's easy to forget that everything we need for our survival is provided to us by the planet we live on, from the air we breathe, to the food we eat, to the water we drink. Through her research and her art, Gemma reminds us that we cannot ignore our connection to nature. 70% of the world's drinkable water is encased in icy giants that formed over thousands of years slowly melting and creating some of the world's greatest waterways. By continuing to focus on our own lives, to neglect the bigger picture of how we fit into our global ecosystem, we've done tremendous harm to our glaciers. I hope Gemma's words will help inspire people to care about the climate, so that someday, when I take my kids to the Alledge Glacier, there will still be an icy giant left to amaze and inspire them. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. You can find the transcript as well as our other stories on the NHK World website. I've been Alex Delay. Join us next time for more mind-expanding insights from inspiring people on Vision Vibes.